0: For those who don't know me, my name is Jimmy. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here at Vine Church, New York City. Um, And today, uh, Pastor Tim, um, lead pastor, he's in Florida. Uh, He's having a great time there. Uh, He actually preached yesterday to the youth there. There's a conference there. So he's there having a great time, and we're here having an even better time, right? (laughs) Uh, So... Anyways, for those who don't know me, I'm Jimmy, one of the pastors. I'm married to this beautiful woman here named Isabella, um, and I have a beautiful daughter named Zoe. Um, And anyways, we're not here to talk about myself. I just need to present myself if you don't know me. Uh, So I'm very excited to share the message of today. Uh, Why? Because I believe in this message so strongly and not just that, but I believe that this is the message that God wants to bring to us as, as a church, as one church. Not, not, I wouldn't say this is a specific message for you, but for all of us together. And I believe it's a message that God wants to reveal for all of us, including myself. First, I don't know if you know, but every time a preacher preaches, he's actually preaching something that God spoke to him for him. For us, right, so first of all, any time Tim preaches or somebody else preaches, first of all they 're always preaching to themselves, okay, and second of all, God is is bringing a message for us together so uh, I moved to I moved here to Brooklyn um, October of last year, so i 've only been here for a few months a little over half a year, and uh, almost at a year uh, at the end of summer and uh I moved here not, not for fun, because honestly, Florida, I, I've, I haven't lived here for a full year yet, I still prefer Florida, okay, Florida's a great place, it's, it's a beautiful place, I'd rather vacation there than vacation here, so like this, this thing of like, I live where you vacation, I'd rather live in Florida where you vacation, not like New York where you vacation, So I I love Florida. But anyways, I'm learning to love New York as I live here. I don't know if many of you might have the same experience. Maybe you moved here and you just love New York. But I've seen it that New York kind of needs to grow on you unless you're like uh, kind of, you know, insane. But for the most of us, we're all kind of, you know, we like things more relaxed. I mean, everybody's different. But I prefer the I'm more the relaxed type. I'm more the... Suburbs, calm, not much of a city guy. But we still go to the city. We enjoy our time here in New York. But anyways, me and my family, I, we believe that we moved here uh, because God has a purpose for us being here. And what does that uh, show us, what does that reveal us is that God leads us to places not for comfort but for purpose. For purpose. So I believe, I'm personally convinced that everyone, uh, that wherever you live... God's placed you there on purpose for a purpose, not, okay, if you grew up in that region, you grew up there for a reason, you grew up there for a purpose, and you're, you're there for a reason still, or maybe you moved here and you're here, let me tell you, for a reason and for a purpose, and so we moved here because of a purpose, because we believed that God was leading us to move here to New York, and and every single day, it's just kind of like this blurry picture. And every day that we live here, this picture becomes clearer and clearer. But as I'm here, I'm beginning to become convinced that, that we didn't just move here to help the church. We didn't just move here to, to gain experience. Uh, because, I don't know if you know, but one day we want to be lead pastors of a local church. So we didn't just come here to gain experience. And I also don't believe that we're the answer that New York needs. New York needs Jesus, not, not Jimmy and, and Felipe and Isabella or Carol. New York, New York doesn't need you. New York needs Jesus. So, so like, the more I realize, then like why am I here? I've grown convinced that God has brought me and my family here. Uh, simply to help build and simply be part of a community, of a community. I don't know, I, I highly doubt gee knew what I was going to talk about today, but the message that God is leading for today is this, this unity, this family-like calling that we have as a church to live in. Um, so I believe that God, God has granted Granted my wife and I a privilege and an honor of simply living here in New York to be part of your life. Really, I consider it a privilege. I consider it an honor to have Carol in my life. And that's why I'm here. That's why you're here, for us to live life together on purpose. On purpose. And so I believe each one of us here have that privilege to be connected into this body, to be connected into this family of God, and to be connected with one another. That's a privilege and an honor that we have by God, given to us by God. Isn't that amazing? So anyways, today's message is centered on the unity, on this oneness that Jesus desires for us to live with each other. And how that unity, this oneness that we're called to live, paints a beautiful, eternal picture. You guys with me? And so I want to, I just want to begin here. So when I was younger, I used to like Legos a lot, like a lot, a lot. I had boxes and boxes of Legos. I don't know if anybody here had the same thing, but I loved playing with Legos. And I remember there was this one Lego thing that my brother and I got. I don't know if it was for Christmas or our birthday, but it was like a Star Wars spaceship. Never liked Star Wars, still don't, but it's okay if you do. It was this huge Star Wars spaceship, and it was like over a 1,000 pieces. And it was like the biggest thing. We were young, so we didn't really, weren't capable of building that. But um, anyways, I want to get to a specific place, but I just want to imagine real quick. um, Imagine yourself as a Lego piece. As a Lego piece, okay? Now, I want to ask you, now, what's the purpose of a Lego piece? For you to step on, obviously. Not, there's absolutely serves no purpose, okay? Serves no purpose. One Lego piece by itself serves no purpose. There's no reason for its existence, per se. But, When it stands alone, there's no purpose. But when the Lego piece has many other pieces, it serves only one purpose, and that is to be connected to each other so that it would build a bigger picture, so that it would build this Star Wars spaceship of a thousand pieces. You guys with me? And so I believe that God has brought us here together as Lego pieces so that we would be connected to build a bigger picture. Look at what... 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5 says, it says, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. Isn't that awesome? So you are like a living stone, the Bible says, and we are being built up as a spiritual house unto the Lord, a spiritual temple unto the Lord. So in other words, God has made you A living stone. God has made you a living Lego piece, okay, who simply has this honor and privilege to be part of the bigger picture. You guys with me? So the Lego piece has an honor of being inside that box, not just because it's this beautiful blue Lego piece, but it's because it will be part of this big spaceship. And we have the privilege and honor of being put, uh, of being connected with one another so that we would be part of God's big picture, of God's eternal beauty, of an expression of who God is, of his spiritual home, of his temple. We're not Lego pieces, obviously. We're not we're not supposed to be put together so that we would create a, a spaceship, but but like living stones, okay? Together we make up God's temple. God's temple, God's beautiful home where God chooses to abide, where God chooses to live in. Okay? Look at what 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 16 says. It says this. I don't First Corinthians chapter 3 verse 16. All right. It says this. It says, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Right there. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? You know, a lot of people use this to get away from church. To say, you know what, God lives in me, I'm going I'm to go do church at home. There's no such thing. Because actually, when Paul wrote this, that you right there, that do you not know, that you, it's actually from the south. They would pronounce it y'all. So in other words, what he's actually saying is, do you not know that y'all are God's temple? That y'all are God's temple and that the spirit of God dwells in y'all. You guys with me? So like this idea that I'm going to isolate myself and separate myself from the rest of the church because they hurt me is actually Satan's strategy to hurt you. Because, I mean... People hurting you, you're gonna, you're gonna have people hurt you in the church and outside the church. You're gonna have people hurting you all day long in the family you were born in because hurt people hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. Healed people heal people. Okay? So I'm gonna tell you what, the best, your your best bet for becoming healed is coming to church and receiving healing from the healer through someone who's healed. You got. I know it sounds a little complicated, but I think you guys got it. God has called us, God has called y'all to be this spiritual temple that carries the presence of God, that carries who God. Not this building, not this hot warehouse. Which actually, I'm, I got pretty happy when I came in because the AC is blowing. It's not, the, it's not the coldest place, but it's better than what it was. Amen? Right there. <laughs> but, but anyways... This is not the church, okay? This is not the church. We are the church. We, in, the, in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, they never went to church. This idea of I'm going to church, is, it's, a religious, it's a religious thinking. We are the church. We don't go to church. We are the church. That's what the Bible teaches us. We are the church. We are the house of God. You are the house of God. You, not alone, but together we make up a beautiful temple, a beautiful dwelling place for God. Look at what Ephesians chapter 2 verse 20 through 22 says. And not just that, it teaches us that that we are built. It says, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. This temple... Right? This spiritual house that we have the privilege of being part of, it says that this spiritual house was built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the spirit of God. So it's teaching us that we are part of this spiritual house, we are part of this temple, and in this temple there is Jesus, he's the cornerstone. If you take out Jesus, everything collapses, okay, and not just Jesus, but there's an, there, there was a foundation that was laid from the apostles and prophets, they are also part of this same temple, but they, 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 they're, they're already laid that foundation. They're already part of it. So what is, what is he saying here, in other words? He's saying that, that there was a foundation that was already laid here in New York City. There's a foundation that was already laid here in New York City. Men like, like Billy Graham used to do massive crusades here in New York. There's men like David Wilkerson. I don't know if you know him. Uh, but God's been speaking to him, me a lot about His work, David Wilkerson's work. He already passed away; he's in heaven now. But uh, David Wilkerson started Teen Challenge. If you I don't know if you know that, but God uh, through this man, God used uh, to a lot to break uh, to lead many young people who were stuck and bound in addiction and drugs and all that stuff to set them free out of that. So there's this huge program called Teen Challenge. Not just that, but David Wilkerson left a legacy here in New York City. And today there's his legacies in, in Times Square called the Times Square Church, something like that. But there's been men and women of God who's already came by New York City, lived hundreds of years ago, way before us here in New York City, has already done a work, has already laid a foundation. And... Even before us, like uh, even churches that we see here now, like Hillsong New York, C3 Church, Christ Tabernacle, and so many other churches have already come here before us. We're actually a fairly new church here. But there's been churches who've come here before us, working in the same field, in in the same city, towards the same cause, on the same mission, leading others towards Jesus, the one we follow also. And God spoke to me this week, <clears throat> and only while I was writing out this message, I actually understood what God was, was saying to me. Uh, but he told me earlier this week, he says, Jimmy, um, I don't want you to start anything new. I don't want you to start anything new. I don't want you to start new life groups, new churches, new this, new that. I don't want you to think with a new mindset. And, and, and he just put a period there. He didn't elaborate. He didn't continue. He didn't tell me what that meant. And I was just like, okay. And I just kept on driving, and I didn't even question. I just pretended like, all right. But it just kind of sat in me until I started uh, writing this message out, and I started uh, just meditating more on the message, on what God wants to share today. And, and I, it kind of like dawned on me, and I had this revelation of like, wow, we really are not starting anything new. If we were to start something new, that means we're starting a new temple, a new spiritual house. But we're not called to start and lay new foundations and find Jesus to be a new, a cornerstone of a new church, of a new temple, of a new place for God's dwelling. No, we're called to be part of the same house, the same spiritual temple as Hillsong, as C3, as Christ Tabernacle, as many of these other churches. Part, part of the same spiritual house that David Wilkerson began, that, that, that. That the apostles and the prophets that we read about in the Bible, we're called to be part of the same spiritual house. We're not starting a new religion. We're not starting a new movement. We're not starting a new denomination. We're part of the same house. We're building on history. We're building on something people have already built. Okay, And we simply have the privilege of joining with the prophet Jeremiah, with the prophet Ezekiel. With the Apostle Paul, right? I can be stacked into this temple. We're not starting, like I said, a new church, a new temple, a new movement. We're joining in. We're joining in with Peter. We're joining in with Mary. We're, we're joining in with Joseph and the Apostle John. We're just hopping into the same temple. We're joining into the same temple. And we're, and we're simply this. We're another piece of this thing. That's all we are, we're another piece, whether you might be at the top or somewhere in the middle or all the way in the back. It doesn't matter as long as we have the privilege of just being part, of just being part, of just being connected. Man, like to think that I can jump in with the great reformer Martin Luther and this woman of God named Catherine Coleman. I'm just naming names, maybe you don't know them, but they were just great great men and women of God who left legacies and left history, and to think that I, Jimmy Collati, an average 24-year-old dude, can hop in to the same purpose of existence that these great men and women of faith had, to me is a privilege. It's a privilege because I feel so ordinary compared to, to the father of faith, Abraham and Sarah, but to know that God has given me a grace and a privilege to partake of that same temple that they live in, that they abide in, that they're part of. To me, it's such a grace. It's such a privilege. Look what Hebrews says. Hebrews 11, 39 through 40. I didn't give it to them, but the message version says this. says, not one of these great men and women of God, even though their lives of faith were exemplary, got their hands on what was promised. God had a better plan for us. That their faith and our faith would come together to make one completed whole, their lives of faith not complete apart from ours man like that 's crazy i, I don 't know if you guys can follow my my reasoning up to this point, but if you if you can 't God will reveal it to you but but look what it 's saying that it 's sharing us that, that God had a bigger picture in mind, even for these great men and women of God who's already made history and already passed away, there's a bigger picture. It actually says that their work was not complete. And their work cannot be complete without you. What David Wilkerson, what Billy Graham, what many great men and women of God have began here in New York City cannot and will not be complete without you and I. Because their faith... And our faith must come together to make one complete whole. Their lives of faith not complete apart from ours. That's powerful. That's so powerful to know that the ministry of Billy Graham will never be complete without your faith. Like that's called the bigger picture. It's a God that we serve of generations. It's a a God who who paints this eternal picture where the, 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 the past generations and the present and the future generations would all connect in their faith, each like pieces of a puzzle, painting one big, beautiful picture of who God is. We cannot take what's going on in our generation uh, as this ultimate picture of who God is. We can't do that because there's been so many generations that's already came and, and maybe possibly more generations to come. We have to take the entire picture, starting with the beginning all the way up until today. And, and even then, the picture is not going to be complete until Christ himself returns. Our generation is not the big picture. What goes on in a hundred years in your lifetime is not the big picture. There is a far greater picture, and it goes on for generations. For thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years. But we have the privilege of just being part of one piece of that picture. This unity that we're called to is this unity called, uh, it's, 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 it's a unity that's, that actually ties you to what happened thousands of years ago. It's that kind of unity. It's, it's a generational unity. But I want to, not just that, I want to talk about what's the unity we're called to live today. In John 17, verse 20 and 21, it says this. Uh, Jesus is actually praying to the Father. And Jesus prays this. He says, he says, I do not ask for these only, the disciples only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, through their message. Look at what Jesus says. I pray that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Look at the unity that Jesus is praying that we would have today. Like, that's crazy. Look, he says, Father... That they may all be one. Father, that, that we here today may all be one. How? How one are we supposed to live? Just as you, Father, are in me, Jesus, and I in you, Father. Like, that's a crazy amount of unity that we're called to live. Like, the same kind of unity that Jesus had with the Father... And the Father, how Jesus was in the Father and the Father was in Jesus. Jesus is saying, Father, I pray that that kind of unity, that, that the union that we have, that they would have with each other. You know, we talk about the union with spouses. We talk about, you know, becoming one flesh. But what about the union that we're called to have with each other? Jesus says that my union with, with Felipe would express the same union that Jesus had with the Father. I in him and he in me. What does that even look like? What does that even, I can't even imagine what that would look like. The only thing I can imagine is, is the church of Acts and when, G, when Jesus says, love your neighbor as what? As yourself. Why? In other words, he, it's almost like he's saying, you are one. You are one. You're a hand and he's a foot, but you're part of the same body. Why would I hate my hand but love my foot? That's stupid. Why? Because that's that's me. That's that's me. You guys, with me? I know it's I know it's way out, you know, to think like this. But that's what Jesus is saying. Why would you despise a brother if that is? if i could say that but if that's you you are in the same body the bible says we're no longer slave or free male or female gentile or jew but we're all clothed with jesus christ we're all clothed with christ so like we're called to such a unity where you are in me and i am in you how because we're all one in christ We're all part of the same body. And I love it when I think like this. I think like, all right, so your house is my house. Your food is my food. (laughs) We are one. Your bed is my bed. I'm going to go sleep on your bed. Why? Because your bed is my bed. But then how, uh, that offends our minds. Why? Because no, it's my house. Yes, but it's also mine. I know it's crazy to think, but, but I personally believe, you go with whatever revelation you have, but I personally believe that we're called to this unity. We're called to have a union a union with each other. Not just your spouse, not just, who, not just your, your, your immediate family, but I believe we're called to a union with each other as brothers and sisters in Christ that reflects the union that Jesus has with the Father. And it, this is an extreme level of unity. Like, that's a, that's a deep kind of union that we're called to live. In. And, and like I said, when I think about this union, the, this unity, this what would that look like in community? What would that look like for us to live like that today? The only possible thing that I can think of is the book of Acts. The book of Acts is, it shows us how church was lived like. I don't believe the book of Acts is the goal. I believe the book of Acts is the beginning. And I believe today we should actually be experiencing greater things in the book of Acts. But let's take a look at the book of Acts. It's, in the book of Acts, it, it says that they shared everything. They shared everything. It says that no one among them had any kind of need because the rich people would sell everything they had and distribute it evenly amongst everybody. Imagine if we did that. I'm not saying we're gonna go on from this point forward and we're gonna do that, but just imagine, because that's what they did. That's what, they all said, you know what, guys? We're so one, we're gonna to go to Bank of America and we're gonna all you know make a trend, we're all gonna deposit all of our funds into the same bank account and we're gonna distribute debit cards for everybody. And we all have access to the same account. If you make money, you're gonna go direct deposit into the bank account. Please, I'm not saying we're gonna do that, but that's what they did. They shared everything, whoever wanted to, of course. If you didn't want to, you didn't need to. But if, they, if you wanted to, you partook of this common sharing. That's how one they were. It's crazy, right? I'm not saying that's not the altar call, okay? But I'm just saying, like, that's crazy that they did that. They didn't go to church. They were the church. They were a family. And they trusted each other. And they believed in one another. If you were saved, they said, you know what, come hop in. We're We're one. My house, they said, I'm going to accept you. If you are part of my house, come and, and stay with me. One of the things I love about Vine Church is how we have so many people all around the world, all around the world. I, just, I went to Brazil, and, and the fact that we have churches there, we have people there, the fact that I can go there and know that I have a home there, everybody opens up their home. I, my brother and I went to Europe the end of last year to go visit my dad, and some of the church... And Vine Church members in Europe, who I've never met in my life, actually contacted me and said, hey, I heard you're coming to the city. I have a home. You can stay with me. Like, (laughs) and they don't even know me. And then they said, I have a home that you could stay in. In other words, he's saying, my home is your home. There's a room in my home for you. You know, Bella and I, we just got an apartment, and we made sure we have three bedrooms. Why? Because there's always a bedroom for someone. This is hospitality that the Bible teaches us to practice. Why? Because we are one. We are one. And obviously, I don't want to give you a living room. I want to give you a room. Why? Because you're family. But anyways, I remember I was in Bible school. Am I going too long? I know Pastor Tim's usually like 20, 30 minutes. I promise I'm going to try to speed up. I remember I was in Bible school, and I used to get really frustrated because I used to look at the book of Acts and look at how much they they lived glory and miracles and signs and wonders and not just that but how how connected they were and how how much they just experienced and how family oriented and how how much how how united they were and I used to get jealous. I used to get really jealous and frustrated because I was like, you know what? They met in homes and they did all these things and and like it's kind of boring when I go to church. But like they experienced all these great things and 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 I remember, um, until this day, I'm convinced that there's a gap that needs to be closed uh, between what we read in the book of Acts and what we experience. I believe that gap needs to be closed. And I remember praying, very frustrated, and I said, God, what's the difference? Tell me, what's the difference? How do we close this gap? And I remember so clearly when I was in Bible school, God told me it was their surrender that made the difference. It was their surrender. Because today, we have the same God, Right? We have the same God. There's the same Holy Spirit. So, like, obviously, he didn't change. We changed. Let's read the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 42. It says "It says this. It says, they devoted themselves. The church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. These are four things that the church of the book of Acts devoted themselves into, and that word "devoted" actually means the word "surrender." So, like, they surrendered themselves, right? By devoting themselves, they surrendered their own agendas, they surrendered their own plans, and they devoted themselves to the teaching of the Word, to the podcast, to Tim's podcast messages, to the Bible. They devoted themselves to fellowship, to. The breaking of bread, in other words, the Holy Communion, and to prayer. What I find interesting, okay, the word fellowship actually means companionship, friendship, brotherhood, sisterhood. Now, what shocks me is not that. What shocks me is that the Bible actually makes friendship, companionship, brotherhood, and sisterhood on the same level as prayer... As I gotta, I gotta look, as taking the Holy Communion and as reading the Bible. In the same level, it says that we should devote ourselves to companionship, to friendship, to hanging out with one another. Going to the movies sometimes is better for you than to go pray. Can I say that? I, we're not a religious church, but spending Time with friends, spending time with each other, sometimes is just as important as prayer. Sometimes you need that more than you need to pray. Sometimes you need time with one another more than you need to read the Bible by yourself. They devoted themselves to each other. Each other. They devoted themselves to friendships. They devoted themselves to brotherhood, to sisterhood. They, devo- they didn't, I mean, we do this as a church, right? We go to the movies, we hang out, we play cards, we, we, we pray, we worship, we come to church, we listen to the podcast, we take communion, we do all of that. But I believe the difference is, is that they devoted themselves to it. They devoted themselves. We pray when we have time. We go to the movies and we spend time with each other when we have time. We read the Bible when we have spare time. But they didn't do this on their spare time. They actually set aside time for that. They devoted themselves to this. They devoted themselves to the fellowship, to praying, to the, to the Bible, and to taking the communion. They devoted themselves for friendship. And I believe that today we, we kind of undermine companionship and friendship when really God values it so much that God himself does not live out of companionship. God himself as a being is a relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He himself lives in relationship. What makes us think that we can't, that we can live our lives without people? That's the stupidest thing ever. God created us in that same image, the image of God We have need for relationship, need for companionship, need for friendship, need for going to Buffalo Wild Wings. We have a need to go watch horror movies together. Amen. If anybody wants to invite me, I'm just kidding about the horror movies. We have a need to spend time with with one another. And, again, I'm going to say sometimes that is what you need over prayer. Spend time with each other. You know, I believe, practically speaking, we should be doing this every week, praying, spending time with one another, taking the communion, coming to church, listening to the messages. This is something that we should devote our lives to. Devote our lives to it, because God values it. God values it. And I know you guys, I can tell you guys are dying, so, but I, so I'm going to end. <clears throat> this is where I want to get to. I believe that This unity that we're called to live, this oneness, this family. First of all, the Bible says that we are his family. His family. Man, Brendan is not more my brother than David. God spoke to me that long time ago when I was in Florida. When I was, David one day was walking with me uh, in my network, whatever you want to call it. And I remember God spoke to me and he says, Jimmy, your brother is no longer your brother because of your mom's blood. He says, he is your brother because of my blood. And so what does that mean? It means my brotherhood with him is not more powerful than my brotherhood with Brandon. Because the blood that connects us is not my mom's blood anymore. But it's the blood of Christ that connects all of us with each other. Yes, God graced you with your immediate family, love them, but I believe there's this family of God that we should value, that creates very, very strong bonds. The Bible says that there are some friends that, you, that are closer to you than a brother. You know, like what does that even look like, to be able to trust a stranger just because they're found in Christ and say, you know what, Wow. I went to Brazil and I met people for the very first time and I've never felt so connected with them. A stranger that I've only knew for two days. I've never in my entire life felt so connected with somebody that I've only known for two days. Now why? It's because we understood that we are brothers. We're we're part of the same family in Christ. And that's what we're called to live here in Vine Church. I believe that there's a unity and a love for one another... That has a potential to tangibly express Jesus. Look what I'm closing, guys. I know you guys are dying. First John chapter 4, verse 12. <clears throat> uh, the wor- uh, I was gonna say worship team. Julia can come up. It says this <clears throat> John 1 chap- John chapter 4, verse 12. It says, my new living translation says, No one has ever seen God, but it was loud. No one has ever seen God, but If we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. I want to read that. So, no one has ever seen God, John says. But if we love one another, God abides, God lives in us, and his love is perfected through us, in us. Man, like, I believe what John is saying here is that obviously no one has ever seen God, but there's this possibility, think with me, there's this possibility that if we love one another, God, because he lives in us, can fully express his love through us, and so we just might possibly, potentially be able to see God in each other. God radiating his love and his image through the person next to you. Why? Because God lives in that person. That's crazy. John's saying, if you want to see God, right, your best bet is to find in the person next to you who has God in them and who will love you like God does. uh, Maybe you're confused, but how encouraging is that? Like, Have you ever spent time with someone and left thinking, like, there was something different about that person? Like, there's something different about coming here every Sunday. Like, I leave here so encouraged, so blessed. Like, like I felt God in that conversation. Have you ever spoken to someone and, like, I've experienced this firsthand. Spoken to someone and having a normal conversation, you're just like, your heart begins to sink. And you're just like... What's going on in this moment? And you just feel so much love radiating out of that person. John's saying that's the best picture of who God is that we can get here on earth. God's radiating love through another brother or sister here in church. A person who God lives in radiating his love. You know, it's, it's God's love that's expressed through our unity, our union and love for one another. And it can be expressed through you who God lives in, who God abides in. The last verse, John 17, 22 and 23, it says, The glory that you have given me, Jesus says, I have given them that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Man, God is... Jesus, actually, is the one saying this. Jesus says, you want to know the best method of evangelism, of of the best method for the people of this world to know that I'm the Messiah and that, that God loves them? The best method, Jesus says, become perfectly one with each other. Become perfectly one with each other. You know, he's saying, if we here at Vine Church, if we live loving one another And devoted to one another, Jesus is saying, somehow, supernaturally, the people will look at our love for each other. And they will believe that Jesus is the Messiah and that God loves them. That's what Jesus is saying. You know, I believe that it's because the people of this world are longing for a community of people who genuinely love and care for each other and who live for a greater purpose other than themselves, other than their own pockets, other than their own wealth and their own future. People of this world are longing for genuine love and community, and they're gonna find it with us. They're gonna find it with us. And not just that, but they're gonna find the love of God radiating through us. As we love one another, and as I devote myself to Carlos, and as I devote myself to Vanessa, as I devote myself to loving them well, And to treating them like Christ. And as as we do that to each other, the Bible says people will look at our love for one another and say to themselves, I want to join. I want to join. Not just that, they will find that Jesus is the Messiah sent by God. And not just that, but God loves them too. God doesn't just love us, but God loves them too. That's powerful. So I want to invite you to stand up. <clears throat> God is calling us to a level of unity, a level of oneness that, he, that Jesus and the Father have. That Jesus and the Father have. And as we do that, people will look at that and they will come to Christ. They will be saved. Not just that, they will become also living stones into the same beautiful temple that we are part of.